0: I'm taking pain, bitch. I'm
1: taking pain, bitch. Wishing it could take away the pain. I smoke a lot of good. I smoke a lot of good. Thinking I can blow away some pain. I'm
0: sipping cold, bitch. I'm sipping cold, again slow what's going on everybody and welcome to the first episode of the podcast that is taking you through the hazy world of HBO's Euphoria we are Hashtag hazy Hashtag hazy this is overly medicated with uh, myself Justin Davis and Mark
1: what's going on Mark not a lot I think it's finally time that we have this conversation that uh, has come from euphoria I know you and I have had plenty of discussions of just our uh, initial shock on the pilot yeah and what is to come for season one so I'm, I'm I'm ready I'm excited
0: yeah, we I mean, we just kind of we just kind of built this up uh literally last week during the pilot where we were like, okay, we should probably do a show on this. Uh you know, we're not trying to step on the toes of, of our other brethren. Uh Perfifi, who does the cable box. He's mm-hmm. so many shows to watch. He, he probably couldn't get to this one. He, Big Little Lies is, of course, tremendous this, this uh season. But uh we're we're gonna have another TV recap show. Uh we're gonna actually have uh Cam on here as well. He couldn't make it on this show, we're just, we're, we're kind of doing this by the seat of our pants, though, Mark. We just kind of came up with everything today. We literally came up with the name uh,
1: five hours ago. Every single thing that you were about to see was probably created in the past twenty four hours.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's that's the way it should be, though. That's how a lot of great podcasts are started, literally, uh, you know, out of the mud. You feel mm-hmm. I me? Mean? So Is that uh, a Roddy Rich plug? It's a Roddy Rich. It could be a little baby plug. It could be any. It could be a Snooty Wild plug. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so like the Roddy bit better. So uh, Euphoria uh premiered 2 weeks ago on uh, HBO. It was a show that's been uh, very much hyped uh because of the connections with uh the, you know, it was created by Sam Levinson who is basically, you know, one of uh, uh you know, one of the greatest uh or not the greatest, one of the most talked about uh screenwriters and directors, you know, out right now. He uh also did uh, Assassination Nation which uh has a lot of uh parallels with euphoria in itself. Have you ever seen Assassination Nation the the movie? Never seen Assassination
1: Nation. It is This a, is my first a, viewing. It's my first viewing from him.
0: Yeah, it, it, Sam Levinson is uh he's he's I mean he's a young guy. I mean he was, he was born in uh 1985. He's like literally a couple of years older than me. Uh again, he is very much in tune with, you know, the young uh Kind of like the, the young culture, uh, especially mm. with Assassination Nation. It was, it was so steeped in uh, social media culture and violence, obviously, but a lot of the visual uh, aspects of Assassination Nation uh, come out in Euphoria. He's, he's a very visual director, a very visual writer, um, and a lot of people were excited about that. They were also excited about, of course, uh, Drake and the Dream Crew. Uh, having a lot to do with this as their executive producers. And there are many executive producers on the show because this was, uh, this is a show that's based on an Israeli miniseries of the same name. Uh, And a lot of those executive producers have come back for Euphoria. So this is pretty much an extension or a remake in the same vein of like the office, you know, when it was in the UK and the office in the American version telling this story of American teenagers who they're, they're kind of like navigating Through their own social identities, social media stuff, uh, sexuality, all types of stuff, violence, everything happens in the show. And after the first, you know, the the pilot episode, everyone was pretty much fucking shook. And I I think that we, you know, you can share that same opinion there.
1: Yeah, I feel like it made me. Uncomfortable in a very good way. When it came to the uh, initial talk of this project, if you're in like that that kind of hip hop realm, that circle that uh, J Five is in, myself is in, and 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 usually everybody else that is listening uh, to our shows on the RNC Radio Network, the initial talks that we heard about Euphoria in general were mainly Drake influenced. So you'd hear about a show that is on HBO, and you'll have the producer, but it's going to be executive produced by Drake, Future, the Prince. And starring Zendaya, another name that um, is well known, I would say, in our type of aspect. So initially, it's something that I wanted to tune into when it came on HBO, just to see, you know, what uh, they would be able to portray and illustrate with the type of um, uh, uh, with the type of how would I be able to say it? Just just pretty much the story that they were going to be able to tell. And from the pilot, I was. There's so many different aspects and ways that they illustrated so many different things that it's 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 difficult to try and explain to somebody. And you really just want them to to be able to experience it themselves as opposed to you just telling them what the episode is about.
0: Right. Uh, and the show follows a number of characters from and I have to say, like the cast on this show, uh, whether you love it or hate it, they're, they're very, very, uh, you know, diverse I'd say, and they're also very, very talented. I think that if there's one thing that... And I do have a, a couple of complaints with the show as a whole so far, but I think that one of them is not the casting. I think that everyone is doing a tremendous job. You have Zendaya, obviously, as Rue Bennett, who was the main character of the show. You have Maud Apatow as her, as her best friend, Lexi, who... Again, like she's like very much top build in the show, but she's like been barely in it for the past two episodes. So I'm, I'm guessing that she's going to mm-hmm. have a more of a more of a, a role in the show later on uh, for throughout the eight episodes of the season. Uh, you also have uh, the, the guy who I, I think had a tremendous episode. Uh, Jacob Elordi is Nate Jacobs, who is a high school athlete who uh, has does some crazy shit that we're going to get to later on. in yeah, the show.
1: Yeah, crazy <laughs> shit is an understatement, this man, Nate.
0: Uh, as well as like other people, you know, throughout the show, and and I think that the uh you know the pilot kind of took us through uh, really what the show was going to be about. I, I'd say that as much as I do, and I'm, obviously we're, we're doing the show, so I have to enjoy it in, in some in some way. I felt two ways about the pilot, Mark. I, I felt as though that you know there there was a a really cool visual style to it. I thought that visually again, you know, Sam Levinson is very good at creating these worlds and and really putting you into it just the way that he uses color. Like, I, I think I said it to you earlier today. I was like, I don't even know which part of LA this is taking place in, but mm-hmm. it all seamlessly kind of moves together. Like I, I felt that in the pilot, there was a scene where she was talking to, uh, what's the little kid's name? Ashtray.
1: Yeah. Ashray. one of uh, the deal with friends.
0: Yeah. I, I felt that when she was, when she was, uh, when she was uh, talking to him, that it was in Florida. Like it looked like it was Florida.
1: <laughs> A little gas station on the side.
0: Yeah, it looked like Florida.
1: <laughs> it does, and and for those that um, are not too familiar with uh, all the aspects of California and how certain things see, you could insinuate that there are uh, different areas that this could be shot. But the way that. Um, everything was shot as far as from like a, a, a cinematography type of perspective. They make so many different elements and areas of where they live um, out in California. They don't specifically go out and say California itself, but for those who would know, you'll see so many different areas that you would not expect in that city type of atmosphere.
0: Yeah. Um, before we get to you know more about the pilot, what, how do you, like? I, I think that this show is very strange in its messaging. Um, Obviously after every episode, they have a a helpline for people who are, you know, are suffering from either sexual abuse or substance abuse, which are, these are two very big themes uh, on the show, but I don't like, in a lot of ways, I don't feel as though this show is really informing anything for the teenagers that it's seemingly for. I I feel like this is really a show for like people our age.
1: Well, I think I think the fact that they are just able to portray it is enough of a message in itself, because with HBO in general, you would be very used to um, drugs, sex, substance abuse of TV shows of those who are adults who are well beyond their age and might have certain issues um, that they deal with in their adult life. We don't see too much uh, from HBO of people that are juniors in high school and, and, and freshmen in college dealing with this type of situation. And not only just drugs and sex that we have seen in, in previous different shows with, um, teenagers, uh, years down the line, but it's just, it, it, they portray it in a way that is a lot different than we have seen in years past. Yeah, um,
0: and I mean, even even from like the pilot, you see the the way vis- again visually that it is connected to everything. But it's like I nearly checked out uh, in that first ten minute part where Rue was talking about her life and how she came up. I thought that was like I thought we had passed that kind of narrative direction a long time ago. Like you remember, you saw fight. Have you ever seen Fight Club? Yeah, that type that type of narration where it's like, this is, you know, this is what's going on. It's like, you know, she goes from literally like counting the, the number of lights in the, in the sky, you know, in Mm -hmm. the ceiling to have, you know, being diagnosed and all of a sudden like that type of editing to me was like very like nineties MTV. I was, I was like, what is this show trying to accomplish? Like it was way too heavy handed. It was way too like, like the show is way too self-aware. And I thought that if this was a show that was trying to inform upon stuff, then no, that, that method isn't, really cool. And, you know, they do kind of still do it in, in episode two, but it, you know, it was very prevalent in the first episode where it was like, you know, Rue was almost nearly annoying to me in the first episode. I was like, I, I don't know how I'll be able to get through this.
1: And when, when you start learning about Rue's story um, and the way that she uh, describes the anxiety that she's had of a child and uh, what that has done for herself um, mentally, um, the different areas that she has been trying to deal with that anxiety, um, the effects that it has had on uh, her family. Uh, They they even go through the area where they uh, sit down with the um, psychiatrist, I believe, and they just start listing off various different things that could be wrong with Rue, but they're not 100% certain just due to the fact that she's so young and you're not 100% positive. What type of disorder or what type of situation could be going on with Rue when she's dealing with those um, types of situations as a child. The born after 9-11 thing kind of like kind of like threw me. I'm like, okay, what, what does yeah, that exactly. what have to do with anything? But everything else that came with that, you start looking at the story of how these certain types of things build because we'll hear about stories of those who have dealt with just being uneasy in life and just being certain, very anxious in certain situations. But you hear that from when they are in... Um, Uh, a a much older age and are able to articulate a little bit better. You don't really get to see a whole lot of them going back and trying to recollect certain things with some type of a photographic memory. I appreciated that beginning area with Rue.
0: Yeah. And I I mean, throughout the, you know, she says it herself throughout the, the, the pilot and and one scene with the one scene, she's walking on the walls and stuff like that. After she's, she's gotten high, she -hmm. says, I'm not a very reliable narrator and I thought that, that was a <laughs> I thought that was a very succinct thing to say because and, and I think we're going to bring this up countless times and we're going to bring it up on on the second episode that we're going to actually review in a couple of seconds here rue's recollection of events is very different from what really happened and I think that is what makes the story interesting to me because you see that rue has a very fractured You know, viewpoint of the world, and you know, we we talk a lot about Rue, but it's this this show is also about the characters that that kind of surround her, Uh, and we'll be talking about them as well throughout you know this episode. So we're we're going to talk about the show as if you've already seen the pilot. Okay, so you know, the week one's already gone past. I thought the pilot was you know I had a little bit issues with it, but I thought it was particularly very I thought it was strong when it dealt with other characters that Mm -hmm. weren't Rue, that weren't Rue. I thought that everyone else was was really. It's really cool and very interesting, especially Jules, who we'll talk about also. But uh, we're gonna get right into episode two. Stun like my daddy. How do you feel about the the episode titles for this show? Very very young, very edgy, huh?
1: Yeah, I like I like that they have stayed very rap related. Um, Sticking toward the youth, not necessarily anything that is 100% corny, but I feel like anything that we are going to see going forward um, with episode two and beyond are going. You're, you're going to start seeing a lot of different things that try and connect to that title, so that's cool. It's yeah. a little, it's a little head nod to to what um, uh, is in the know
0: as of right now. Absolutely. So uh, let's get to one story thread here that I think is very interesting. Uh, let's talk about Cat. So, uh, in the pilot episode, Kat was at the, uh, at the same party at McKay's house and mm-hmm. she, uh, uh, was pretty much, would you call it peer pressure or w- was she, you know, was she very much pressured throughout that whole episode and throughout, you know, even, uh, even before that by other characters to actually have sex with, with, uh, that strange kid.
1: Well, it was damn, it was damn near from the beginning because when we get introduced to Kat, uh, they're chilling in Maddie's bedroom. They're all getting ready. They're getting ready for McKay's party. McKay's party is going to be one of the biggest things that, that um, uh, uh, go on as of recent. Uh, McKay is now a, co- uh, a freshman in college and they're about to have an event um, with himself as well as uh, Nate and many of the others that are um, being invited. So team. when Kat, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly on the football team. So when Kat is around, Maddie's just talking about sex. We have to walk in. Like we have uh, the best pussy in the entire world, whatever, so on and so forth. Um, they cut to certain areas where even Jules had mentioned that she needs to get that done. She needs to get this situated, handled.
0: She needs to, need to catch a dick. Needs <laughs> I do
1: not. I only use the same uh, verbiage that Jules had, but essentially she needs to catch some dick. And yeah. <laughs> um, as a junior, as a junior in high school, I mean, I mean that starts. It, you start seeing it in the face of cat that this needs to be done and it needs to be done very quickly.
0: And it happens, uh, after the, uh, you know, shortly after, before the pilot ends, you see that she does eventually catch the dick because it's not the eighties.
1: in one of the uh, most awkward situations.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, she essentially was like, almost like not even pawned off, but it was kind of like a, it's like kind of like, uh, like her, like a, uh, Clint Eastwood. You feel lucky. Punk type situation where it's like, oh, if
1: if I pull this, if I pull this out, then what's she gonna do with it? That that was so well. First, well, first off, the the situation got um, doused in fire when the twins Troy and Roy were just were just having a, a random conversation because. They obviously don't know what going what's going on right now. They're little kids. Little, a girl is hanging out in their bedroom. Everybody's just uh, chilling around and, and, and trying to make jokes and whatever. She states that she's a savage, and Wes comes in and creates the dare. And when the dare happens, then the top comes off, and Troy and Roy, tiny little giggling virgins on the side, they start um, enhancing the situation and start laughing at it. And with that comes the stare down between Cat. And West, and we don't see anything direct from them after that scene, but a little bit later down the line, at the end or around the end of the party, you see Cat come out and finally say that um, the operation is complete,
0: <laughs> mission accomplished. We got yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we got him. Uh, so yes, in this episode, uh, the, it, it's a lot of the blowback, so to speak, uh, from <laughs> from that incident. <laughs> uh, <laughs> where uh, Kat is essentially freaked out for mo- most of the episode because the, the she t- it turns out that the guy that she lost her virginity to recorded the shit on his
1: phone. Yeah, 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 Wes takes his phone, literally records it the day that it happened, and in episode two, you see Kat just chilling around, watching movies with her parents, watching TV with her parents. Maddie texts her and asks, is that you? Yeah. It, and, and she's like uh, lol no <laughs> yeah <laughs> and meanwhile she's like oh fuck fuck fuck. <laughs> fuck what the fuck am I gonna do and I it was like, ah, I like lol no
0: I like the direction of the scene because it's almost like you're you're in a you're kind of like looking through a window almost to like how she's yeah. freaking out she goes upstairs she's just like no promise it's not me and it's like, like everyone's saying it's you is it you and it's like you have that anxiety where it's like oh shit I might have fucked all the way up like and I I thought that scene was, was I think Cat her her actress in particular her name is uh, Barbie Ferreira. Mm-hmm. I thought she was I thought she was tremendous in this episode, especially when you know she tries she basically turns this whole scandal on its on its head and she takes the video. She manages to is, 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 did she talk to Troy or Roy? Which one?
1: Uh, I think it was Troy. She Troy was Tro- the one that released. I think Roy got it from West. Roy got it from Roy West. Roy spread yeah. it out and started saying that it was Cat She so pulls Troy aside and goes, "What the hell? What, what the fuck are y'all doing?" And Troy just wants. Absolutely 100 percent nothing to do with it. And she was like, all right, fine. I'll, call the I'll, I'll, go, I'll, go, to, I'll go to cops. I'll go to cops I want. like, I love she, this.
0: Yeah. I love that he's what well, she said. This is child porn. He was like, How where he was like, we're all children. Like, not that was just like fucking idiot.
1: I <laughs> swear. <laughs> is it isn't it? Isn't it funny? Just I I love seeing how just a simple LOL, nah, it's not me. Can, can, is, is more than enough for a 17-year-old uh, junior in high school. And then, and, and then, and then when she deals with Troy, and she's like, you got to flip this story. All Troy has to do is, ah, just mix her up with another bitch. Yeah. And he's like, oh, really? Come on, man. You
0: told me you was scared. Like, like, no, nah, no, nah, I, I got it mixed up. I, I was, I was. Yeah, I got it mixed up with the mother. I was, I was like, there, right ah. there. like, okay, cool. So she, she manages <laughs> to flip the whole, the, the whole scandal on its on its ear. But when she finally, like, she she searches like YouTube, she searches like Pornhub, she sees a copy uh, of the video there. But even though the the original video was removed, it, it's been copied like hundreds of times over mm-hmm. by like a German site, uh, you know, all types of shit. She still sees the video. So um, and she decides that she can like make money off of it, she she signs up for what I would assume is, is a cam account. And I guess we're going to be seeing something that's very disturbing here where, where it's like, we're not even disturbing because, I mean, I like, can't get your money, but she's going to be an underage cam girl.
1: Yeah, and, and, and who knows who ends up getting... Um caught in that type of situation but the thrill of that just comes off the fact that a video can be duplicated of her Um, and at first she's like, oh fuck, fuck what am I going to do? But truthfully none of the re-upload uh, is mentioning her uh, you can't necessarily tell anything yeah. about it being her because of course all of that has now been debunked and she starts going down the line of all of the comments on the video and just seeing how easy and how interested people are in throwing their life savings just to watch her do x y and z on top of that you have eighty thousand views so all of that starts bubbling in the mind of cat and now you start realizing okay you can turn this into something lucrative
0: right right i i I thought that i think that cat's arc so far is the most intriguing to me well it's probably second or probably second most intriguing because of what, what the show is saying about body positivity um, in itself, I, I don't think that they're hitting you over the head with it so much. What like they're doing? Like I find Nate's story to be really intri- intriguing as well. But they're hitting you over the head with the repressed sexuality stuff. Here with with Cat, it's like she's taking control of her sexuality and i think that that's a, a cool thing to show especially on you know now you don't have a lot of characters like cat that take this and, and flip it on his on his on his on his ear and it also subverts the character where it's like you know this is the the big girl character it's like she's always got to be this one type she took mm-hmm. this situation and she flipped it she was getting she was having troy like like swipe the car for it's to get her makeup yeah, for like
1: hundreds of makeup uh, hundreds of dollars of makeup and shit and <clears throat> when we originally was a pilot we were like Damn, I already know catch. About to go through it. This is about to be uncomfortable yes. once he finds out. But literally, in episode two, she flipped the entire shit on his head. She even she even made the principal feel completely shitty about about his assumption.
0: Now, I didn't like that scene. I you didn't, didn't like, like, you scene. like the principal part. I didn't because my thing is this: like, even on this show, these kids are written to be way smarter. They're, they're written to be like masterminds. Like these kids are really smart on the show. And I felt as though that was, you can get across the idea that cat is smart and that she's able and that she can re- rebound without making the adults look stupid. Like, that's, that's why, that's why I feel as though like sometimes it's like, this show is for adults because it's showing it's, it's basically making the kids again, the masterminds and showing you, hey, these kids are doing this now instead of just building the sh- the story as a as kind of like a, a beacon for the children to get their story out or, or the teenagers to get their story out. Like you didn't have to have cat, you know, basically implicate the the, the principal and body shaming in order like, to get
1: a fat shaming and so on and so forth.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to do that to make her a strong character. She's a strong character because she's managed to flip her fortunes and is possibly going to profit off of it. I, I thought that it was an extra mm. unnecessary scene. I was like, we'd already gotten the point of what she was going to do. Do you think,
1: do you um, think, do you think because of that, um, things might not connect to, say, uh, a 17, 18-year-old like it does to us? Because of right now, we, we find um, certain aspects of euphoria completely um into, well, not necessarily enticing, but just interesting in hearing that aspect of the story, but how do you think that's is viewed from like the perspective of that age that is being portrayed on the show right now? I think a lot of people connect with like the the drug stuff honestly that's mm-hmm. that's
0: why I like cat story, so it's like if you were a kid and you're, and you're seventeen it's like you know you weren't seventeen that that much longer ago. I wasn't really seventeen that much longer ago either, but yeah. it's like at the same time, it's like would I have thought to say that? You know, at that time, it's I, like it, I, I would have that,
1: been completely stunned just exact, being in that office in general.
0: Exactly, like like w- w- what I have thought about. Like, if it, it read as very unnatural to me for a character that this is a character that got duped into, you know, having you know, it, it, it's it's an unfortunate incident, but she she essentially got duped out of pressure. She thought mm-hmm. I I don't know if you know like again like I, I like the way she flipped it, but it's like again it's like you can write her very smartly without doing that I, there could have been another way she could have got around the principal to do that but i feel as though again it's it's my issue with the show is that they hammer this home so hard like it's very heavy-handed and it's like okay i get it these kids are smart and they do this all throughout this episode too uh, mm. next up let's talk about mckay is his, his storyline no, no chris mckay is uh he was a he did Play football for for the uh, Eastland High School. Uh, he did graduate from college, so he's not. He's actually within the story, not even going to the same school as the other kids in, in, in the uh, in the current cast. But he is still in a relationship with Cassie, who uh, Cassie Howard, who is the sister of Lexi Howard, um, who's gotten a lot of screen time on the show so far, a lot more than her sister to, sister has, especially if she's yeah. going to be as, as important as she is. But uh, the, uh, she has a she. This is an interesting story because she has a very, very uh, infamous, if you will, sexual past.
1: Yeah, and that started playing out in the pilot with Cassie. Uh, we didn't see too much of Cassie and Lexi being sisters in the pilot as much as we did um, the conversations between McKay, Nate, the twins, um, and everybody else in regards to uh, Cassie's sexual past. And with that, you get the uh, uh, a scene that I would be 100% uncomfortable in where mckay has to take a look at the photos and the videos of cassie that that nate somehow has of what she has done in the past and from that we get um the scene that goes on with uh cassie and mckay and 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 kind of intertwines both of those two and from that you start going into episode two where it's a lot Less of just them interacting at a party and getting in so on and so forth, but it's, it's now you start seeing that you have a freshman in college being romantically into a relationship with a junior in high school and you start seeing how those types of relationships may have conflict just in the ways that they view life as well as um, critiques that they would like to improve.
0: Yeah, and, and I mean McKay alone. It's it's very murky how he feels about that in episode two. But I mean, he's he has essentially like taken on what a lot of people they they've ostracized her, and and she's been labeled as like the class slut. Yeah, and you know, I mean, like that scene where they're showing him the videos of her. And I'm just like Jesus. This again, very graphic. <laughs> Especially uh, w- like, considering would... that we're it. it super graphic like, i'm like you know we're supposed to be looking at juniors here so mm-hmm. again it gets very like rough to, to look at even though a lot of these actors and actresses are, are above age it's like all 21 and up yeah yeah like, we're supposed to be thinking that these are juniors here but uh you know mckay has chose you know he's chose to like forego all of his boys and say you know i'm 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 gonna take her you know that this is going to be my my girlfriend we're starting to see a little a couple of cracks in the relationship now uh, he, uh mckay does come to visit her uh from his, I guess I, I would imagine his first or second weekend in college. Since his school starts uh, realistically a lot earlier for college students than the yeah, high school uh, he comes to visit her. Her mom now, her mom is, or, or her and Lexi's mom is very, very interesting, very weird.
1: Yeah, I'm starting to see the the types of the qualms that she has as far as just discussing things and conversing with McKay. And I'm like, oh, is is this like a is is she lucky hitting? Is this is this a hit on? I, I'm not 100 percent positive. Yeah, I, th- I think that her mom.
0: I think, and, and again, this is—it's you know, a lot of things are are very much uh, based on parent. You know, the parents on on this show, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whether it be Nate, whether it be Rue, whether it be you know Cassie and Lexi. Like, it's all about the parents, and you kind of can get a feel of how these characters are, are raised based on who their who their parents are. Obviously, Lexi may have she's the old. I, I believe she might be a little bit older. I actually think Cassie might be younger than than what we're thinking.
1: It could be. It could be. I, I don't think they've. I don't think they specify too much as far as junior and senior. But yeah, cause, because
0: um, lexi's a junior with yeah, Rue. Yeah, she's the same
1: as Rue. Mm-hmm.
0: I would imagine that Cassie'd have to be like a year younger if that was to make sense because they're not like twins and they couldn't have been born in the same year.
1: So that would mean that she would at least latest be a 16? sophomore in high school. She'd be sixteen, so she's a sophomore in high school, and McKay's a freshman. And uh, that's a little longer.
0: Uh, it, and, and that, again, goes into what happens here when McKay does visit her after uh, school. He talks about how frustrated he is as being a freshman. Uh, he will, he's not starting for the football team. We've all heard this varsity blues-ass story. Uh, mm. And he's frustrated, and she tries to—she immediately takes it to sex, and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm well, not well, for, do that.
1: Well, first it starts off as, as, as just type of lighthearted comedy that you try and do to just make somebody feel better. And so go, let's, let's let's fucking kill him. And he's yeah. like, bro, what the hell? What the hell are you talking about? I'm trying like, I'm dead. i serious. This thing has tried me. <laughs> at high school, do you just not hear the whole story? And she, and she, at, at first, I thought it would turn into a situation where she calms, she calms it down, and and and, and using comedy to try and uh, relieve somebody in that type of sense is 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 something that um, many could be familiar with. And she says, yeah. she essentially says, it just, it just, it just takes time, and. I thought that that would turn into just something that calls McKay, but then that turns into the hand of her skirt and she wants, I mean, she'd been thinking about him all week and so on and so forth. And he's just like, I'm trying to have a real conversation with you. And there are many that could relate to that type of situation where you're trying to vent and you're trying to, um, voice a lot of frustrations as, as, as being, um, a brand new person, essentially in a sea of thousands of people in college. And right now that, that is just something that is not mentally on Cassie's mind. She's dealing with a whole other different type of world that McKay's already been through.
0: Yeah. And again, again, it got very weird between them and and it's like, he's starting to realize, or they're both starting to realize that this might just be, you know, a a purely, It it shouldn't be, it might just be a purely, <laughs> it, 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 you know, it's a purely sexual su- situation because, you know, right after that, you know, she he's already asking her to send the news. <laughs> and it's like, this is a, a, va- a, a it's a very vapid relationship uh, between those two. And I, I'm wondering how this ends or, or does this end correctly or, or, or in the right way here uh, between these mm-hmm. two.
1: Because um, Cassie, you know, willing, but, you're going to start seeing certain things going forward that uh, it's just two different worlds and it's going to become difficult from McKay's perspective, Cassie's perspective, to try and continue this in that type of manner. So I'd I'd love to see how that intertwines into the different areas of euphoria. Absolutely. Uh,
0: Let's, let's, let's move on to one of our like main
1: events here, main event,
0: storyline threads for this episode. Stone Like My Daddy Let's talk about Rue, man. Let's talk about Rue this episode. Uh, <sighs> Rue, Rue, Rue. Rue, Rue, Rue. A lot of things happening with her, as as we've seen in the pilot. She's fresh out of rehab, not trying to stay clean at all. She does uh, build a relationship with Jules, who is, you know, essentially, you know, as a guiding light for her, I think, in a lot of ways. And I, and I do like their relationship in that, you know, Jules is kind of like, what the fuck do you need all these drug shit for? Like, you know. And, and I think that it, you know, without implication, I will say this right now. I do like the way that the show does handle uh, Jules'
1: sexuality. I, I do think that it's very respectful. It's one of the best it's one of the best parts of Euphoria because you'd really have to pay attention to the show to try and get into um that portion and that and that story of Jules. I really appreciate the fact that they don't necessarily throw it directly in your face and try and make. It very aware that um, the actress playing Jules is a transgender woman. Mm-hmm. I think I think that they've done a really good job of showing what Jules has been in that type of city since she is brand new and she's coming for summer camp and things like that. You really have to start looking into the uh situations that she's put herself in to really kind of get the idea. Of that, so it's, I'm really appreciative that that they've done it in that way, and letting the acting speak for itself, as opposed to having a type of storyline where um it's a shocking reveal that yeah. she's trans. And,
0: and I love that the characters don't even care,
1: you know, like yeah.
0: it's it's or or those that, that know like don't even care, you know. So, mm-hmm. uh we're all- is essentially, and again, a lot of a lot of the unreliable narratorship comes through in her storyline on this episode. Uh, first day of school, she's very concerned about people, you know, trying to basically bag on her <laughs> for uh coming back from rehab and then Jules is like wait a minute mm. I, cut, I cut myself at a party a couple of weeks ago I'm pretty sure no one's saying anything about you and Jules is essentially correct I mean everyone is pretty much paying attention to the fact that Jules tried to you know cut herself and fight Nate at the party a couple of weeks prior uh and then it leads us to Rue being put on the on blast now was this gym or was this a class that she had to take because she was in in rehab like, what class was this
1: uh, Rue's class, I feel like it, it, it almost looked like a a drama, like theater type of scenario that Rue was in, because when she got on stage, I wouldn't expect the lights to just...
0: Well, I think the light was part of Rue's narrative. You remember her mind is... Ah, her
1: imagination. Okay.
0: She's imagining the spotlight being on her. Like Ruse, I, mm-hmm. I think more than anybody in the show. Rue's, uh story threads are always baked in uh, a very visual, fantasy-like setting. Even when she was riding bikes with Jules, it was like I even said, like, where the fuck are they? Like they're not. They don't even yeah. seem to be in L.A. anymore. You know, and then Those how the orange rain,
1: fields, oh, all yeah, over like, the
0: place, <laughs> and how like the rain started as soon as Jules leaves. Her, like, it's very dreamlike, and so uh, yeah. I, I did. I do respect the visual flourishes for her storyline. This this episode, uh, the counselor asks, or not the counselor, the teacher asks her uh, one memory that she has from uh, the summertime. And again, we start to see uh, the first episode. We saw when she got out of rehab; it was very happy, jovial. Uh, you didn't get a lot from her mother. It seemed like everyone was having a great time, including uh, her her sister, uh, Gia, who was thirteen years old, who actually saw her and, and found her uh, after she was had overdosed. You saw the other side of that on this episode, and I thought, and I what I thought was what they needed to do the first time around. I thought it was a super strong way to introduce and, and, and talk about the, this issue without Rue hammering it home. She said very little on this episode as far as narration goes, and I yeah. thought that was very effective. You got to see the other side of her addiction and, and what happened. You got to see you know, her lashing out with her mother. You got to see uh, how, how Gia reacted to it when the cops came, all of that. I thought it was very powerful, Very almost hard to watch at times.
1: Yeah, because uh, it, it, the, the part that I felt... The worst about essentially in that scene was the um, type of reaction from Gia and what she was trying to respond to as far as mentally of just knowing that your sister is now knocked out. There's paramedics here. Your mom is not home and um, you're watching everything. Happen. I, I would assume in extreme slow motion. Rue is being carted off. She's in the ambulance. She's out. There's a paramedic that stays with Gia and then asks if she wants to watch anything on TV. And you start seeing all the types of things that could scar Gia at at such a young age. And 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 looking up to Rue the way that she did and the way that they portray it very well in the pilot. It really makes me. Interested in where they go with that and I don't even know if we get it this season but seeing the effects that that will have on Gia going forward Mm -hmm. is something that I would really like to see and in this area where anxiety anxiety is literally flaring up for Rue and it's hard for her to try and discuss certain things because so many different minds are racing you start seeing her uh, dancing and moonwalking out of the hospital you see them uh, listening to the song in the car and bonding as far as sister, um, as far as sisters, their mother as well, and the positive things come into place from time to time with Rue. But then you start seeing her throwing a complete picture and pointing glass at her mom, trying to leave the house, and yeah. things go completely quiet when she goes back to that memory of her waking up in the hospital. She is right. out on the bed, her mom is out, and it, it's just it's just disappointment from herself where it's just quiet tears and she can't do it.
0: Yeah. I, I also love that. Uh, I, I love that. And Rue's narration and recollection of it. She cuts out bad parts. She cuts out particularly stressful parts for herself. Like her again, being in the hospital bed or her actually doing it. We haven't seen her do it yet. You know, mm-hmm. you know do whatever joke she did to have her overdose. There's a part where you, you know, you've seen her laying on the floor From far away. There is a part on this episode where you see her literally close up on the floor, but it cuts away very quickly. And I think that it's, again, very interesting as she starts to piece together what happened on that day and and start to come to terms with it because, again, she runs off to the bathroom. She basically, she's very, very green towards
1: Lexi a hundred a hundred percent green so i get well i wouldn't i wouldn't know necessarily but uh throughout that anxiety she goes out goes to the bathroom she's about to sniff whatever uh uh, pill that she had she's about to crush it up and things like that uh she has a door locked lexi does a quick knock on the door she blows the pill away flushes everything down the toilet and lexi doesn't announce herself until that toilet flushes and she's just Completely pissed off that now her drugs are gone. She just flushed the last remnants of what she had. And anything that she was whispering in Lexi's ear a couple of days ago on the pilot when she needed clean piss is now out the window.
0: Yeah. And again, uh I mean, you, you made a perfect connection to her anxiety in that point. She's using again because she, again, does not want to face. Her own actions and, and that becomes yeah. a, a bigger uh that's going to become a bigger issue as as we move on uh but from there rue does uh, go to hang out with Jules, and then she goes to hang out with uh Fe- or not hang out but go to fezco to to mm-hmm. go uh get some more drugs um this scene is i think i think fezco is everybody's mvp for this episode i i, I think you know i was going to ask you at the end of the episode i think i'm gonna just going to say it right here fezco is my my mvp Fez did a really
1: good job. Well, not well, not as 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 very good as as we w- were hoping. You want you want him Roo, to blow the do head off. <laughs> I was really, I was real. Once he once he once he grabbed for the once he just started touching. He started just touching the glicky a little bit. I was like, he's about to fucking <laughs> blow mouse's fucking head off, and ashtray's about to come through with the Draco and just spray shit up. But I was like, but I was hoping that before Rue started just. Staying at the house, not listening, and just said, give me drugs. Like literally, just give me drugs. Fez is trying to warn her, please leave. Yeah. Please leave. Like, I don't I, have again, anything
0: I, again, Rue being the master of her own destruction. Uh, again, and it, this is a huge example of that.
1: Yeah. And, uh, and, it, and it plays out, it plays out negatively once she doesn't leave, the phone rings and now it's too late. Yeah. And we're introduced to the ominous drug dealer that is Mouse. Uh
0: Mouse very, very huge shift in threat. Well, I think there's a bigger, maybe a bigger threat than him on this show, but he's probably one of the biggest threats on the show so far. Uh, He, he basically, he shafts Fezco Fezco for, uh, for drugs. And then he essentially, uh, you know, under duress and under the, you know, just being really sleazy towards Rue gets her to take fentanyl. And, uh, you know, as soon as the fentanyl came out, I was like, okay, this is too much. Yeah, yeah there's, there's always one part of this show where I was, like, that okay, was one is
1: part bad. that I was just like This is fucking intense Because for one, before Mouse even gets in the house Fez just tells her to chill Lay low, don't say a single Fucking word, and he cocks the gun And Rue's like, oh shit, this is it Oh god, I'm fucking scared now <laughs> So Mouse comes in And they're handling whatever they need to, to 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 handle, he's listing out the entire Grocery bag of drugs that he has That Fez is about to cop and And, and Rue hearing that is just astonished at the amount of things that that mouse has and they're about to buy and from that mouse offers fez if he wants to buy some fentanyl he was like no no i'm good i mean we've we've heard plenty of things and seen many different things outside of this show of what fentanyl does um to people in general and he is able to entice rue and make her uncomfortable enough to actually take a little bit of it off his blade and while fez is literally pleading just like No, please don't. She doesn't need to be exposed to that type of situation. Rue gets uncomfortable enough that she actually takes a little bit of it, and the strong side effects from that appear immediately. She passes out and just and just leans out to the side of the couch.
0: Yeah, uh, he says he says he asks her, "Have you ever uh, came so hard that you just lose all your all feeling or some shit like that?" Like,
1: and he's like, "Do you like that?" I don't know why Rue said yeah. Could he could have just said? I mean, I don't know what would have happened if she said no. But then she was like, <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh god damn it! I, I thought Zendaya was was
0: was excellent uh, in the scene. I thought she was really great here. Um, she does she does the very muted type of uh, fear that that I thought was needed here. I thought Fesco's actor was tremendous as well. He he just this guy's very, very 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 he's been very good so far. I mm-hmm. thought he was like tremendous here, and he was right up there w- w- with her, uh, just as far as you know him being very like nervous like that was a nerve-wracking scene uh just in general uh rue does is essentially pass out uh there but not before mouse basically shifts uh shafts uh fesco for six hundred dollars from having her take the fentanyl and he gives him the fentanyl that he wouldn't buy so essentially he got shafted for like eight thousand dollars just in general just period off of that whole Extra transaction that
1: he, very green.
0: very green very green uh he, he tells ashtray to Uh, you know, flush the fentanyl because he's not getting into that type of stuff anymore uh, because it is a dangerous drug and, you know, people do overdose on it. That brings the heat to him. And uh, he does call Jules over to, or he does take her to Jules, Jules's house. And that's where she uh, is for the rest of the episode. Um, Very strong storyline for Rue this episode. I cannot wait to see what happens next here.
1: I like, I, I, I hope they start going more down the line of Fez's, um, Interest in protecting Jules. We had the area in the pilot that they have the brief conversation where they're at the party, and he tells her that not only does he like her, but likes her in an area that he doesn't want to see her go down a completely terrible path. He's not aware of all of the fucked up things that have happened in Rue's past to make her go down this line, but you know, drugs of this type is not something that he wants to see take another person away from him, especially somebody like Rue and to uh, make the situation a little bit easier. She goes into the story um, of what she dealt with, with her family and how things got introduced in that and just ends it with, Oh, you still want to be my dealer? And he's like, ah, ah, why not? Let's go a couple more days.
0: Because again, he is as addicted as she is to the high. He's addicted to the high of what he does, and and yeah. I think that's why that I think that's why they both work uh, as character. Love this friendship. Very very happy with this friendship, and and I mm-hmm. love that he held it down for her. Uh, but again, the biggest story of this episode, uh, as we left off on the pilot uh, last episode, Jules, as we saw, as we were introduced to her. Was meeting up with with older men and uh, off of Tinder, what it looks like, and having sex with them. Uh, there was a particular guy that she did meet and have sex with before she went to the party. We find out that the old guy is actually Nate's dad. Earlier in that night, Nate had had an altercation with Jules, which ended with her cutting herself and Nate just being freaked out. We get to see Powerful more of that Loved it.
1: Very very great scene. <laughs> you were very like surprised at this scene. I was hoping she stabbed the fuck out of Nate, but you know, it is what it is. She ended up cutting herself a little bit. But just 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 putting the fear of God into Nate was something that I think a lot of people appreciated.
0: Yeah. Uh we see the story continued here from the beginning. Uh again, Rue narrating from uh, her point of view the character of Nate, who was essentially you you see the type of childhood that he had, a very repressed childhood that was pretty much controlled by his father and his the fact that he found uh, sexuality so early in his life through his father's own videos of him having sex with other men uh, mm. in hotel rooms. Uh, I feel two ways about it. I I don't know if here's my thing about it. it's like do do you say that you know he's gay because he watched these videos or was he gay because he was was born gay? Like I'm of them. I you know I'm of like like everyone. You were born this way. So you know did mm. this awaken Nate's? sexuality or is the show trying to say that he was this because of this?
1: I feel like they kind of hinted at the latter of that when, um, Nate was young and he was going to the CDs and of course watching, um, his dad engage in those activities. And he ended up going to his bed once his dad woke up and and, then started seeing certain things. And, his dad had a conversation with him that was basically along the lines of people are going to look at you based off the things that I was involved with and judge you because of that. Mm -hmm. And you are going to be stronger than that. And um, that is how you are going to live your life. And from there you start seeing um, him being 12 years old, interested in in, in working out and um, doing all of that to become the man that he is now. But, It became really unfortunate to me watching it, knowing that this is how you learned about this is how you learned about sex. This is how you learned Mm -hmm. about how um, to treat that. Yeah. Being a man, um, treating certain women going forward. You learned all of that in this type of negative aspect. And when his dad has that conversation with him, it's almost like he he might be he might. Know that he was exposed to that, especially when you see now a grown-up Nate just peeking his head a little bit back into that room mm-hmm. and looking back at that computer, and he immediately comes up like, "What are you doing?" Mm-hmm. And Nate said he comes to say good night. I, I, I feel like the 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 idea that he knows that something was interested around that time is the reason why we had that conversation, but. We're going to have to see what that comes from with Nate' going forward, and we see it immediately in episode two where he's now well grown um very disciplined based on how his dad treated him. he's now the quarterback of the football team, but in that locker room he can't he, he can't even look down and look at somebody else's dick without feeling without feeling uncomfortable
0: yeah the the dick part was uh very much talked about um for, for various stuff. reasons. Yeah, for various reasons. I don't think it was as bad as I mean, people again, the, the they they hype up.
1: Uh, They'll have be like, oh my god, there's fucking eighty dicks swinging around. I'm like, okay, that's, I mean, that's not that's not really the that's not really the premise of what's going on here. The point is to kind of illustrate that Nate is uncomfortable around the things yeah. that he watched as a kid, and it's 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 terrible to actually see it play out. But you know, to have that illustration kind of need to have that. And there's a reason for the Dicks. I, I
0: think that the, the the article that had that uh, specific cut from it talking about you know oh so many dicks it, it, they didn't talk about the, the framework of why there were so many dicks on screen it wasn't like, yeah, it's not like it's, it's not like it's random dicks yeah it's like a, it's not like a gangbang either which is what I thought yeah. <laughs> I feared like, I, I was like is this is a gangbang type and I was like no it was it was a show that Nate is very much repressing his sexuality and, and how he feels about men and using women in a very like he has like a very Patrick Bateman's American Psycho way of of thinking and you know his perfect woman should be uh, something that I brought up to to Mark earlier I brought it to you earlier, Mark. Um I, I feel as though when Rue was describing what he thought his perfect woman was, a lot of what he was describing was in fact Jules.
1: It fit it fit Jules's character to a T.
0: Yeah. And you rewatched it right before you re-listened this. So did was it was I a little bit on the on the money there or was it was that was that kind of off? I, I just have my notes here.
1: Uh, the skirts, the facial features, um Rue put a very key interest in Nate's displeasure of women that sat like boys, sounded like boys and acted like boys. And I feel like that was something that should ring something off into your head. um, Because he, he liked uh, a specific type of feminine and Rue ties that into Maddie. When Nate is coming downstairs and you see Maddie uh, as as part of the cheerleading team. And she states that uh, he had such a high interest in, being around her and protecting her just off the fact that Nate hated body hair and she was a virgin when Mm -hmm. he met her. So to have that type of protection around somebody who had not been exposed to those areas that he did not like was a key part of what Rue talked about. But just like you had said earlier, the description of what she had uh, for Nate's ideal woman started to become a lot of the things that was portrayed in jewels yeah I, and I, again you don't get
0: that until the end but uh you see kind of the breakdown of nate after uh last episode his, his beautiful girlfriend maddie uh wanted to get back at him who again maddie very toxic character i think we can both agree with that
1: I thought Maddie was going to get into way more trouble than what had happened in episode two. Thank God that she did not. But um, we'll we'll have to see for these next few episodes what happens between Nate and Maddie. But yes, very but, uh, toxic to say the yeah. least.
0: Yeah. So to get back to him in the pilot, she did she had sex with a guy named Tyler uh, to make Nate jealous. Uh, in this episode, you he uh, you know there there's a point where. Rue says he'll do anything to protect her to a point where he's even thought about what he'd do to protect her, and in, in a situation where someone would try and take her, rape her, kidnap her, hurt her in any any way, shape, or form. You see him mm. stalking Tyler again in Del Amo Mall. Uh, I live very close to that mall, so shout out to Del Amo Mall. They they actually show that mall twice on this episode when Kat goes to to Sephora that's in there, and when Nate is stalking Tyler by the Dentai Fun. So shout out to Del Amo Mall there. Uh, He basically is stalking this guy, gets to his to his uh, apartment, breaks in, and accuses him, accuses Tyler of raping her, Uh, and then uh, essentially saying he raped a a minor also because she's only she's only seventeen years old. old. Mm. And he says that he's twenty one. He's like, no, you're twenty two. Don't play with me. Like Nate is literally gone full psycho. He beats up Tyler to like you know calls him the f word also, which again. I, I get I, I I know I keep bringing it up, but it's, it's something that I hate that the show does. It's very heavy handed in what they what they want to do with the characters. It's like, obviously, he's calling him the F word because he is he's gay himself. Mm-hmm. Right. So, it, you know, he, he does that. And I'm just like, OK, I, I get it, guys. I get it. So he beats him up, takes his clothes. Now, this part was interesting to me because he does make Tyler
1: get on his knees in, in the same way that his father might do to one of his, you know, I was like, thank you. I was like, please do not go down this line. Please, 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 please. As soon as he said, get on your knees. I'm like, Oh God, do you think Tyler? Is a, I'm sorry. You think this is the
0: start of something like this? Or is it like, I, I definitely was just like, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he raped him too.
1: Well, you, you, you kind of get a, a thought of that when he comes out of the shower starts going through tyler's stuff he puts on his ass body spray he get, he grabs all the stuff and is cleaning himself off in an area where it, it it looks like it's a little bit more than just getting the blood off of your fists and 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 cleaning yourself up to now go outside he takes a completely different fit to go out and take maddie out bowling so in that sense you say was tyler also sexually assaulted you kind of get a little bit of a glimpse and maybe a question if he was, because at this point, while Nate is getting dressed and and is nice and calm, clean, and is able to go outside, Tyler's not moving. Like, he's, he's barely even blinking.
0: Right. Yeah, he's, he's very much cool, calm, and collected. He's very quiet and collected. It's like, at this point, you realize. His father, through his own selfish desires and 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 very crazy, you know, upbringing, he has created a monster. Nate is literally a monster, and yeah. uh, he is taking. he's now awakened, so to speak, because of the the Maddie incident. And the thing about the Maddie incident is that, like, she doesn't realize it, but that she is literally feeding this beast. Where you know she's literally saying he's not, he's inadequate, he's not good enough. And the same way that his father probably made him feel, and he's always felt. So that, you know, it, it lashes out in his own latent sexuality to a point where he actually goes on to a dating site, signs up saying that he's looking for transgender women. And guess mm-hmm. who's on the other end? Oh, his name is Shy Guy, and, by the and, way. But guess who's on the other end?
1: Yeah, Shy Guy 118. He states that he is, um, he states that he's male. He is, is male. <laughs> and says that he's not looking for anything um, specific, just a good time or something like that, and he immediately ends up in Jules' inbox, and that's when we start seeing the connection that I was stunned at at the very end between Nate and Jules. And the unfortunate thing of Nate's complete stalker, wacky day that he has had was off the fact, like he said, Maddie being toxic and doing things that, More than likely, a lot of us have seen more than we'd like to admit where Maddie doesn't necessarily own up to the things that uh, had happened that night and stated that she blacked out at the party and she was sexually assaulted in the pool. She doesn't necessarily remember everything that happened. So while she does not own up to that, that ends up being Tyler's ass whooping. They go out to they go out to bowling as Nate is now he's got all that out of his system, all of his anger, so on and so forth. He's pressed Tyler, beat the shit out of him, went out. And now Nate and Maddie are 100% okay again. But the thing that was odd to me, and, and maybe it's just the fact that we're dealing with youthful kids here. They're making out outside. They're on the side of the wall. It's still raining and things like that. And Nate still has questions. He's he's yeah. c- clearly says, I don't believe you. But Maddie asks him, what do you want to know? And he asks about how was it. She jokes around and asks, what, do you want to know if his dick is bigger? And he goes, was it? And I'm like, oh, dear God. So Maddie makes a joke, and Nate says, if it is bigger, I'm going to fucking kill him. Mm -hmm. And they continue on with this thing. And all of that anger, that blind rage that he had, staying in Tyler's house, taking his baseball bat, taking all his knives out of the way, and beating his ass, it's almost like re when they meet up. And he he still doesn't even believe her. So why'd you beat Tyler's ass in the first place?
0: It's, it's that violence, man. It, it is that repressed anger, violence. I, 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 fear. I literally like, like fear what else we're going to learn about this family. I think this is to me so far the most intriguing storyline um, on the show so far. I, I think that that they they're dealing with it from a very uh, different way than we've seen the storyline in the past, um, and and I think that the idea of him being more violent and and you know near. In more ways than as this show continues, but for son like my daddy, I have to say uh, I really enjoyed this episode. I think it was much better than the pilot. I think we have a clear roadmap of where the show is going, and what the characters are about. I'm very intrigued in the show. I, I do enjoy it. I, I do think there are halves of the show where it particularly like certain characters or certain things that they do where it's like two steps forward and in, in three steps back where it's like, okay, we didn't need that. But I think as a whole, I've, I've been enjoying Euphoria so far and I can't wait for the next episode. I really did like uh, Stun, like my daddy.
1: Yeah. I think there are windows that I would love to see um, continue throughout episodes three, four, and of course for the rest of season one, just off the conversations that Nate and Jules have had. And if it ends up becoming a triangle between Rue, Nate, and Jules, I am just very interested just off the fact that while Jules, um, remember that Jules was at dinner, having the conversation mm-hmm. with Nate, who she does not know is Nate at the time, and he states how intrigued he is by her. And that interest you start seeing, and they have the conversation of, you know, him, him, him questioning as to why she's only having, you know, dinner with her dad and so on and so forth. He says it's a long story. And he identifies with that situation and says, yeah, my dad left me a long time ago, but we don't have to go into the specific types of details because he's an asshole or, 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 or something to that nature. But you start seeing those sections intertwine. And if it is really just him being intrigued by her because that's all he has seen as a child, I think there is going to be a really good story that could be told from that. But just seeing... How Nate's mindset could get from that blind rage in this past episode too, I am worried about Jules. So
0: Yeah, I'm I'm we will very have worried. to see
1: what happens with that pilot. I'm
0: very worried forward. about very worried about that. I, I do think that there are a couple of story threads. I mean, not even just uh the the, the, the love triangle between those three, but I mean you also have K and then, you know, the proxy intertwining with that as well. Cause I mean, that was a large part of who Cassie was covering up the, the, the blinds or the, the, the curtains for to take those nudes. Like there are a lot of, yeah. you know, there are a lot of turns that the show can take. And and I'm hoping that they, uh, they nail, they nail it and don't get lost in the narrative of trying to be really edgy and, and really like fourth wall breaking, because I do think there's a lot of potential in the show and, and what they're saying uh, and, and what they're saying of just about social, social life of teenagers in general. But for the first episode for overly medicated, grand success market. Thank you so much for, for doing this with, with, with me. This is our first show that we, me and you have ever like done together. I think, I think I'm done like a show with everybody almost in RNC,
1: except you. Yeah. We've co- we, we, we co-hosted, we've co-hosted plenty of e-matches, um, had a lot of, <laughs> had a lot of those types of battles and there's going to be another one of those battles in two weeks. But this is, uh, this is something that, um, I'm going to really like going forward. I think this is a story that can be told to many different generations, many different stories. And despite how uh, we may have grown up in our era, I feel like there are many different parallels that a lot of people should take into account when watching Euphoria. So hopefully this sparks a lot more viewers and uh, a lot more interest in Euphoria as season three plays this Sunday at 10 and going forward for the rest of season one.
0: All right, and uh that, that is it for the first episode of Overly Medicated. I'm Justin for Mark. Make sure you check us out at RNC Radio Live for all of our shows and our playlists. Uh and until next week, peace out. Got it.